Good morning. It's awesome to be here and to worship, to pray with you guys, to partake in communion with the Lord's Supper. It's always awesome to come here and to do so with fellow believers, to celebrate our Lord and Jesus Christ. So that is always an honor and a privilege. Um, And so today we are going to be, uh, we've been, this year we've been going through and we have been deconstructing the church, so to speak. And what I mean by that is we've been going through a lot of the things that we just kind of do in the church. And you get some fun answers when you ask, you know, well, why have we always done that? And you have the, the famous stories of, you know, asking grandma why she always baked the turkey in, in a certain container. And it turns out that when you go all the way back, it turns out that was just the only container they had. So you get some funny stories like that. And that's what we've been doing kind of this whole year is we've been looking at different parts of, the church, of what we do here on Sunday, whether it's worship or prayer like we're currently in. And so we're going to be getting into just a little bit more about this, what the church does when we pray. You know, it's, it's really cool just kind of how Mark was talking about how it wasn't planned, but things just kind of naturally lined up. And it was, it's really cool because we had another opportunity like that uh, this past week. Uh, Andy, myself, Lindsay, and Lindsay, um, <laughs> we went on a fall retreat with our junior and senior hires. And the theme was called Mixtape. And it was basically just going through some moments of David's life and the different prayers that he had in different parts of his life. When he was celebrating and praising God, when he was mourning and he was coming to God in, in, in grief. And so we talked about different moments of that. And it's just cool that now, even as, as we are coming into this time and talking about the deconstructed church, we're talking about prayer yet again. And so it's just cool how our God works and will line different things up. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 31, and and we're going to be just looking at the message that Paul brought to them about this deconstructed church. Let's open up in prayer. God, I thank you just so much that we have the chance to come here to worship you, to pray, to remember your sacrifice on the cross to offer up a sacrifice to you, to to give an offering. And so we just thank you for that, God. We just pray that as we open up your word, uh, just that that you would would be working in our hearts as we look into your word. God, just we know that you will always do your part. We just pray that we can do our parts to open your word, to look at it, and then to go and live it. In your name we pray, amen. So we're going to be kind of breaking things down a little. And, and we're going to be looking at here, we've, we've got uh, some of these really amazing paintings that are done by a certain very talented artist here. And if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, this, this first one here, this, all the, this blue and whatnot and, and streams everywhere, this was our prayer life sometimes, right? And maybe you guys have been there before and that's how you felt that, that this, that's your prayer life. It's all over the place. It's a tangled mess. I know I've been there before and then and now we have this second one, and this is where we're, we are going to be camping out. This person here, that's you. And just remember that as we go through, this is you looking up, praying to God. So as we go through, when you look at that painting, just remember that. That is you. And you see, a, a praying church, this deconstructed church, a praying church seeks God's face. And we're going to talk about this here. And it's, we see this uh, just a little bit in, in Acts 
chapter 17 here, you see, it, it's funny, the, the Greeks, these great philosophers uh, here, they were seeking God's face. They just didn't know what they were seeking. They, they, and as we're going to find out, they had this idol constructed up because they, amongst all their gods, they might have missed just one. And so they needed this altar up here that was to an unknown God. And that was dedicated there so that, that way they didn't offend some deity out there somewhere that didn't have an idol. And so they had, had this one, and they were seeking the one true God, but they just didn't know it. And, and we're going to open up in Acts 17, starting in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the middle of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every aspect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I found an altar to which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and of earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed everything since he himself gives life and breath to all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, every nationality and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of, as some of your own poets have said, we also are his offspring. Being God's offspring, then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by a human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked all the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. That man is Jesus Christ, who we have remembered just a couple moments ago, as we, open, as we took communion and remembered his death and resurrection. You see, we are a church that ought to be praying. And unlike the Greeks there who, who had this, this idol constructed to some unknown God, we know who that God is. He has made himself personally known to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. And when we accept him for who he was and he his death and resurrection, and we are baptized into that, we receive him personally through the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us. We know this God personally. And we as a church ought to be praying personally to that God. And guess what? As just, I, I would do the little finger motions, but I'd mess it up. But as a kid, I remember the, the church is, it, it's, it's not the steeple, but it's the people. And there was some figure of hand motions that I could never quite figure out. <laughs> but the church ought to be praying, and the church is not the building. The church is you and I, and we as well ought to be praying to this God who we can know personally. You see, so we, we as a church ought to be this, this child up here looking up to God and praying and seeking God and his face through our prayers. And you might ask, what, what does that look like? What, what does it look like for me to be seeking God's face in my prayers? What, what does that mean? 
And once again, Scripture doesn't, have, doesn't make us guess. It, it, it tells us right here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You see, where, where, where he says that, that I no longer, Paul writes that I am no longer the one who lives, but rather it is Christ in me. And he lives on in me. You see, when we were baptized and we came out of the waters, we ourselves were putting ourselves to death. And we were saying that, that Christ was going to be living in us. And what that means is that our prayers should be Christ's prayers. They should be the prayers of Jesus. What does that look like? What does it look like to pray like Jesus did. See, Jesus gave us an example in John chapter 17. Jesus sought God's face. When he was in a difficult moment and he didn't want to go to death on the cross, Jesus sought God. And he went to him and said, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to do this. But I'm seeking you. So not my will, but yours be done. Jesus also went in the garden before his death on the cross and he prayed for his disciples. He prayed that they would be able to know God just as he has known God. He prayed for them that they could go into all the world and make disciples. He prayed for you and me that we could know him. So you see, if, our, if, if we are going to be a church that seeks God's face, we ought to be praying as Jesus did. That might look like praying for, for our friends and our coworkers who, who don't know Jesus or, or who claim that, yeah, I'm a Christian. My, my, my parents were Christians. I, I grew up in, in, in a Christian home. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a Christian. But they aren't following Jesus we can pray for them that they would follow, that they would see Jesus, that they would follow him, that they would choose to put their lives down and take his up. It might look like encouraging them, lifting them up when, when people around us are going through hard times. A church that seeks God's face lifts others up in prayer, even those who don't agree with us. It might mean reaching across the aisle at those at work who don't agree with, with the views we have politically. It looks like lifting them up in prayer when they're going through a rough time. Or those who, who disagree with us on any number of subjects. A church that seeks God's face lifts those people up in prayer. A church that seeks God's face is also lifting our families up and bringing them before God as well, bringing them before the throne. Jesus did that as well. You see, a church that seeks God's face prays as Jesus did. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. Our purpose is to reach out to our Father, to reach out that we might find him. You see, Jesus has promised us when we reach out to him, when we seek him, that we will find him. 
church that seeks God's face will find him. For, and we see this in David's life as well. You see, in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 7 through 12, David also did this. See, David sought after God. He went and he got the ark of the covenant and he brought it in and he brought it into Jerusalem. He set up a tent around it. He sought God and he led Israel to do the same. And in verse 7, we see them coming before God and seeking him. Verse 7, on that day, David decreed for the first time that thanks be given to the Lord by Asaph and their relatives. Give thanks to Yahweh, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all of his wonderful works. Honor his holy name, let his hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Search for the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. That kind of sounds like what we just did here as we were led in worship. We had a chance to lift our God up, to sing praises to him, and also to sing about some of those blessings that he gives us and all the forms they come in, whether they're all these blessings in disguise. David sought God's face in all parts of his life, and he found him. When he brought the ark back, when his child died, when he was running on the run, he sought God's face, and he found him. See, a praying church finds God when they seek his desires. When we're that child up here lifting up to God and, and we're praying, when, when we have Christ living in us, we will be praying for his desires. Not my will be done, but yours, Lord. A praying church seeks God's desires. So the next natural question, what does God desire? God t- and once again, I love it. Scripture doesn't make us guess. It's not like the ACT. Scripture does not make us guess. Okay, the, you know, we don't have to just start bubbling C and it's okay. But God, God tells us what he wants and what he desires. You see, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever might believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Our God does not want any to perish. He does not want any to reject him and and to run away from him, but rather he wants to have a personal relationship that we talked about where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. He wants to have that relationship with every single person. And you see, 2 Peter tells us there that God is patient. He is slow to anger and he will fulfill the promise that he has given to every single one of us that our sins would be forgiven and that we could enter into everlasting life with him. But he, that he is slow to bring, to come about on that because he wants none to perish because there are many in our world right now who have rejected him, who aren't chasing after him, who do not have Christ living in them and God doesn't want them to perish. A church that seeks God's face prays for those. And when they pray for that, 
they find God because that's where he is. First Timothy also tells us a very similar message that, that God wants all to be saved. He wants none to perish. A church that seeks God's face will pray for those. For that is what our scripture tells us that our God desires. You see, Jesus told us the very same thing. In Matthew chapter 18, he tells a parable of a man that has a hundred sheep. And you have, and when one of them runs off, what, is, what does any good shepherd do? Does he stay with the 99 and say, oh, it's okay, that's only 1%. We'll chalk it up to losses. Things happen. No, they just didn't, they, they, things just weren't right with them. It was, it was a rough time in their life and, and they just ran off. That is not what the good shepherd does, right? What does the good shepherd do? He chases after the one. He leaves the 99 and he runs after that one. And he brings the one back into the flock. And Jesus tells us that, that all the heavens sing and celebrate and rejoice over that one returning. A church that seeks God's face chases after the one. Who's the one in your life? See, God has placed so many people in our lives, so many relationships that, that we have. What do you do with those relationships? How do you steward those? Is there a one in your life that as you are seeking God in his face and his desires, you see that one? See, we're going to take a moment, and as a ch- since we are a church that seeks God's face, we're going to take a moment, go ahead and, and, and stand up and form, take a couple of those around you. And we're just going to take a couple moments and we're just going to do exactly that. We're going to, to pray for, for the church around the world. We did this a couple weeks ago as, as it was persecuted. It was, it was the, uh, the month to, to remember the persecuted church. And so go ahead and, and group up with those around you. And take a moment and pray for God's desires, for the, those, that, that one person that might be in your life or maybe, the, or maybe those coworkers that you just need to lift up and encourage. But go ahead and be a church that seeks God's face and his desires. Go ahead and take a moment.
We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here to open your word. God, we, we, we just thank you that you hear our pray, prayers that, and that you tell us in your word to, to come before your throne and boldly present our requests to you, God. And so, God, that is what we've just done now. We come here and boldly present our request to you and, and that it would be that, that we would follow you boldly, Jesus, that, that we would come here and that we would be a church that would seek your face. That we would be a church that would come before you gladly and sing prayful songs. And then, God, that we would go out into the world and that we would live those out. God, that we would be a church that is after your desires. And it's because that, that we have died to ourselves and that we have been baptized into you and you live in us. And it's now that Christ who lives in us. So, God, let us our prayers be yours. God, may our lives that we go out and live reflect just that. Amen. See, a praying church also seeks God's ways. Even when they don't make sense, even when this world throws curveballs at us, and even when different things go on and and we just don't know, a praying church knows one thing, and that's God's face. They know his desires, and they'll follow those. They will seek his ways. See, in Psalms chapter 14, it's written, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, and not even one. See, this world, people are going to follow after themselves. People are going to choose to do things that, that hurt us some of the times. God isn't necessarily punishing us through that. God isn't deciding to, to judge a city or to judge a people necessarily. That's just because people act of their own accord does not mean that God is bringing, pouring out wrath against people necessarily. People choose to exercise free will, and that brings, and that brings consequences sometimes. So even when we're, and maybe you're in the, that point in your life where someone's actions are bringing consequences down on you, well, guess what? We can, even in those times, David lived a lot of his life there. As his son rebelled against him, as Saul tried to kill him, David still sought God's face. And even as Saul was, was in the cave, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and if he had the chance, he would have killed him. He would have brought those consequences down in his life. David still sought God's ways as he refused to rebel against the Lord's anointed. And you see, we need to do the same, to seek God's ways even when things don't make sense. And the amazing thing is God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us to do that. And it becomes a whole lot easier when we, we reach out to him in prayer. James told the early church in Jerusalem that if any is seeking wisdom, he ought to go before God 
and seek his face and seek his ways and that he will pour out that wisdom. We need to trust God even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're in the middle of the hurt. See, God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Even when it doesn't make sense, God has still told us what we need to do, and that is to follow him faithfully in what he has already told us. And he has already also promised us that he will work all things for the good of those who love him. All we need to do is carry out the instructions that he has given to us. So I don't know, maybe where you're at in your life, maybe you are, maybe that is you and and you're calling out to God and things just don't make sense right now. See, on the chairs, there there are these little tiny cards. And what those are for is is, is those are for you to write down a prayer request. And it could be big, it could be small. It it doesn't have to be anything major or life-breaking, but it's just a prayer. Anytime during this song, feel free to, to write that down. And there's a little bin right up here and there's one at the back of the room as well. To go ahead and put that prayer in there because we want to pray for you. And John is going to be doing something really cool in the next couple of weeks with all of those. And so as we come into our response time, maybe you're that one who's wandered off or who maybe never was, even came back to the flock and you want and God is working in your heart that, that you want to, to come forward and c- join the flock in baptism. If you're that one, as we sing, feel free to come on up. Maybe you're the, the one and you've wandered away. Jesus is chasing after you. He will chase after the one. And when that one comes back, there will be much rejoicing in heaven. If you're that one, the elders are here and they would love to pray with you and seek God's ways and his face with you. If you're in a rough part of your life and you're experiencing other people's consequences of their actions or life is just rough, David sought God's face and he found him. And you can too. The elders are here and they would love to pray with you and to seek his face with you even in this time. So as we come and sing, God is doing his part. How are you going to respond to him? Let's pray. God, as we come before you, seeking your face and your ways, your desires, God, I just pray as we go now that you would reveal those desires and ways to us. Work in our hearts that we would seek your face, that when we knock, you would open the door. When we seek, we will find. Just come to us now, God. In your name we pray. Amen. It has been awesome to come here to praise you, uh, to praise our God with all of you, to take communion with you. But now it's, it's our time to leave here. We've had a time where we were able to come and be a church that prayed together. 
And, I pray, and it's my prayer that you guys would go and continue to be that church who prays, who seeks God's face this week. And so I don't know what, what exactly it's going to look like for you guys, but go this week, take time, pray, and seek his face, and seek after his desires. Thank you.